0: Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Landon Barrios, and this is by the campfire with the Barrioses. I got a very special guest today. Jeremy, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm Pastor Jeremy Bowers from Marshall Mr. Baptist Church.
2: I'm Trent Barrios, I'm also at the campfire. I'm Landon's brother, and I'm a worship leader at our First Baptist Church.
0: This episode's going to be a wonderful episode. Stick around, it won't be super, super long, but I hope you stay for the whole thing. Thank you guys for hanging with me during this time of absence. Love you guys, and I hope you will enjoy this episode. Let's get started.
1: Podcast, or not podcast, he has a news media called the Alex Jones Show and a bunch of other He's basically built an entire media network like Fox News or CNN. And he usually covers controversial stuff mainstream media won't cover. And um, right or wrong, you know, I'm not here to defend or or attack him, but he does cover controversial topics. And he's called a conspiracy theorist. And some of the stuff he was covering and talking about and the political message he carried offended a lot of the woke Generation and the woke culture, <laughs> like, like 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 CNN. What was he saying? Oh, good. Everything. I mean, like, like like
0: homosexual stuff and
1: no, no. Race. He's not, he's not race. He's not racist. Not homophobic well, in the sense of that. Oh, he's, so
0: he's not homophobic or right no. It's
1: either. more of like conspiracy theories.
0: So is he like? Is he conservative? Is that what he?
1: Yeah, he's he, considered a hate a hate speech.
0: So he got canceled.
1: Base basically, but he he still has his website going on and uh other others let him come on their show and stuff
0: where's your chair
1: yeah it muted halfway in we so had to restart muted,
0: like, halfway into, Sorry. i don't know, I know I uh this thing came up red and so it muted but um yeah the bible and then uh where's it come on dude just for a little bit it was so much fun having you in here like the three of us talking that was of, that was super fun what why are you laughing at me come on man this guy he don't want to do it are we recording we are recording now yeah we're recording um but uh but that's crazy about Alex Jones but like see he was on the Crowder show
1: louder with Crowder he got invited onto the Crowder show yeah
0: because see I I had first heard of Alex Jones uh hold on okay so
1: that was just Mallory. She's heading to town. Are you but, sure you don't want to start fresh? We, we're we kind of all over the place with the.
0: Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Because when you do a podcast, it's kind of like, okay, you like jump into it. You know, it's, okay. just, it's just kind of like we're not being all crazy or anything. Or well, anything.
1: usually we just kind of have the music and then, hey, I just, you introduce each other. And we kind of start talking, but we're kind of doing it more laid back. We're this doing
0: one. it a lot more laid back okay. this time. So with this setup, like last time we used to play the music and jump in, and I would say this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm the host Landon Barrios, and this is by the campfire with Bariuses. Mm-hmm. And now we are literally actually starting the show. <laughs> yeah. That was just a little fun intro that we were doing there. But um, but it was yeah, so like uh with Alex Jones, that was he got canceled. And see, I heard of Alex Jones on the um on the Joe Rogan show. Yeah, and I remember the one time he's actually, friends
1: with Joe Rogan, Stephen Crowder. Um, yeah, him and Shapiro don't get along.
0: Yeah, they really don't, which is strange because you know both conservatives are in anything. But he's he's a real loud. You know who he looks like, or who he acts like. He acts like that loud uncle at family reunions. <laughs> I mean, he just gets all you know, worked up with all this, you know, um, uh, the the conspiracy theory stuff, the the political stuff.
1: I really like him, but I take him with a grain of salt, obviously, and. Yeah, but he is. I trust him more, than I trust CNN. I'll say that. I would that. say this.
0: I wouldn't bring him into my own home.
1: You know what? <laughs> I
0: wouldn't bring him in my own home. Oh, I would.
1: I would love to have dinner with Alex Jones. <laughs> oh,
0: really? <laughs> but I mean, around the kids,
1: huh? Uh, around the kids. No, he's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's not that bad. I guess. Not. But I haven't listened to him in. I lost been a couple. I used to. I I got into the habit with my wife. We had devotions, mm-hmm. and before we had devotions, I'd be just drinking my coffee, and I would listen to the Alex Jones show. Uh, podcast. Drinking my coffee, then I turn mm-hmm. it off, and we do our Bible devotions. But I go in and out with with politics. You I don't stay. I, mean? up to, I don't stay up to date with it. Sometimes I get into like a Hodge Twins, Ben Shapiro, right. Crowder phase, but then I just go back to listening to preaching and stuff, and I stop caring. Yeah, I'm just not that big into politics like I used to. And
0: now, what I've been listening to, and and I I really enjoy it yep. is a uh, Rhett and Link, the Ear Biscuit podcast. You yeah, the, listen- the,
1: the the apostates. The what? The uh, apostates means to apostatize those who renounce their faith. Did you hear about that? Uh-uh. They, you didn't watch their podcast where they deconstructed their faith? How they used to be Christian, but it renounced their faith? Really? And they're, they're atheists now. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: I did not know this.
1: They're what the Bible calls an apostate. They have renounced the faith.
0: They've renounced their faith because I knew athe- they grew up Baptist. They're
1: atheists and they're mm-hmm.
0: in their books, but they, they
1: they they have like a five hour podcast. Me and Trent talked about it at school. Five hour podcast almost of, of them just attacking their not attacking, but Trent, Trent, this is something you can sit down and talk with us about.
0: What happened with Retin Link? Tell Hatton? us,
1: no, seriously. Tell us about the Retin Link deconstructing their faith. Landon hadn't heard about them apostasizing. We were so, just talking about what apostasy meant.
0: So you're telling me they they de- deconstructed oh, man, the faith? They're, they're pretty much saying that. They're no longer Christians anymore. They've
2: already
1: said that anymore. Get closer to the desk, home What are you doing? When,
2: when did they say this?
1: Uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, I know years ago. Am I out of touch with two all years, this stuff?
2: Two, three years,
1: two years ago, maybe. It happened here, and we were uh, our first two years at TBI, man. Uh, yeah, Have like, we done each other that long? Yeah. Okay, yeah, they had a whole podcast. They renounced. they they've, they 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 supplemented them with some more. But That's sh-
0: disappointing because I was just telling uh, Jeremy. They were very
2: slow.
1: Which we would most likely believe they were never truly saved to begin with, if they truly turn from their faith. What the Bible kind of teaches that true believers, true believers continue believing.
0: That's what happens when you move to California. (laughs) When you move to Los Angeles. Well,
1: the, the theologically we have to ask: Is someone who professes to have the Holy Spirit indwelling them by faith can they go from that to an atheist who denies God exists? First John talks about it we can test this we got our laptops pulled up i'll read it verbatim sure. first john they left us
0: but like i never heard of this here's what it says
1: it says they went out from us but they did not belong to us for if they had belonged to us they would have remained with us but their departure made it clear that none of them belonged to us they went out from us but they did not belong to us and that's a weird translation i should have i should have googled kjv but basically it's saying that they they, leave us manifesting they were never of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us. And so you can make the argument biblically that people who renounce the Christian faith never knew Jesus because the Holy Spirit guides them in all truth, and for some reason he's not guiding them. The book of John talks about it also, about how the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and they follow him. The voice of another they will not hear. And so, so, yeah. <clears throat> Because or even, I, even more, the Bible talks about the heart of stone has been removed, the heart of flesh given. I will write their heart, their my law on their hearts, God says. Even when Peter said, Jesus said, who do, who do men say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And uh, Jesus said, flesh and blood told you not this, but the Spirit of God taught you this. Right. So we're taught, so to, to assert, yes, we can fall into sin, but falling into outright apostasy, you can make the argument pretty well that true Christians persevere in the faith itself and true Christians will be punished. Book of Hebrews says, and so you'll be disciplined chastised. Otherwise the Bible says you're a bastard and not a son. Strange. And so my question is why are Rhett and Link not being chastised
0: uh, you know, by we, God? See, last <clears throat> I heard, like, I guess last time they kind of mentioned religion or anything like that, they had this episode where they went home. Do you remember this tramp? They went home and they they went to their hometown and they showed they filmed and showed their their childhood church where they grew up they showed like a field where their buddy the one that died ben or something like that whatever his name was uh, that they were there so i just assumed that they were still christians i mean well they're that, not that's, super that's upsetting they're not
1: super anti-christian but they're definitely no longer believers
0: well, that's anti-Christian.
1: Well, I mean, anti-Christian in the sense of they don't they, say, they're not like Richard Dawkins who uh, says you're an idiot and a fool if you're a Christian and right. how it's actually a negative thing. They just kind of say it's not for us. And they don't want, they're not trying to attack religion itself. Just it's it's contradictory because we know as Christians that the natural man understands not God and hates God. Trey, but in their mind, Can you
0: minds, find this podcast for me? And send me a link to it because I would love... It's called
1: destri- de- deconstructing their faith, right? I'm sure, yeah. It's hours long. They each do their own testimony of how they lost their faith or manifest. Well, if you can be a Christian, some some of our people do believe you can fall into unbelief. That's just my theological persuasion that if someone renounces the faith, I doubt their salvation. I doubt they were truly ever saved. Because Jesus said the good work I, he does, he starts, he will finish. And so I don't believe that a true child of God is going to fall into apostasy and remain there. And they've well, and been remain there. Yeah, they been, they've been they've been remaining there for a while. Because
0: I have an uncle that you know I, you know, for a while he professed that God was that God didn't exist.
1: Has he repented since then? Uh,
0: yes, he. Oh, I hadn't this, heard that. Okay. So
1: this was years ago.
0: Uh, well, well, not in my lifetime. Okay, that he went down a dark road, and um, he. Quit believing in God totally. Claimed he was atheist and just didn't and never once again came back to church. It wasn't until up a, a couple of years ago where he he says there is a God. Like he does believe that there is a God. He's just not a practicing Christian. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't do all this stuff. Uh, well, that he, doesn't um. So that doesn't
1: testify to salvation necessarily. No, Even the demons believe and they tremble. James two says so.
0: But but you can kind of see where God is obviously. Worked in his life, you know. I mean, I mean, to to a point where well, I don't, like,
1: I don't know his life, so I can't make a judgment. Yeah, but, but I like, definitely wouldn't wouldn't rest in subjectivity, right? I would rather more objective. I profess Jesus Christ as the Son of God.
0: See, it's it's this is something that Mom has always said, but his whole life, ever since he's been out of church, his whole life has been a nothing but
1: a struggle. Yeah,
0: it's been difficult. It's possible.
1: Yeah, and so. Um, I would just rather preach someone into hell and them actually be saved, and I made a mistake, than somebody's hell bound. And I just kept reassuring them they were saved. I would rather make the mistake and preach them into hell by accident, than them go to them go to he- hell, and I just kind of patted their tushy the whole time, like it's okay. And so I would rather I, see what you're I would rather convict somebody wrongly than just reassure them in their deception. You know what I'm saying? Because
2: yeah. when I was lost, That's some deep stuff. When I
1: was lost, I feel. Obviously, I could have been saved when I was a little kid, when I made my first profession of faith. But because I fell away and never felt a sense of transformation, I kind of leaned towards I truly got saved in my 20s. So if taking that perspective, which is what I rest on, objectivity, when did I give my life to Christ? That means for the first half of my life, you know, I was lost. But because we're in this sinner's prayer culture, everyone told me I was saved. You know what I'm saying? I see. Yeah. So it's definitely when someone is manifesting fruit that doesn't show root, or they're manifesting fruit that denies the root they claim to have, we need to confront that with love. But just because someone professes to know Jesus doesn't mean they know Jesus.
0: So let's take a step back here. You know, know, we're talking about salvation here, but let's kind of like, just for fun, let's take a step back and let's talk about some of the things that I have recently been asked yeah um you know through the days you know a couple weeks ago so one of the questions that is asked like if there is a god and maybe Mm -hmm. you can help me help me you know well maybe you could explain it better but if there is a god why is there evil and before you answer let me just give you an example uh buddy i was talking to he's a friend of mine he's atheist well i wouldn't say he's atheist because now we say he is there is god he believes in god but he doesn't understand who God is so in mm-hmm. his mind he was saying stuff like we're sitting there we're driving you know picking up trash and he was talking to me and he found out I was a preacher and he was asking all these you know like wacky crit- to me they're wacky but I'm sure there's people out there that are that are, they're real questions mm-hmm. so one of the questions was if there is a God why is there evil why is there sin and why doesn't God remove that sin why doesn't he remove all of evil in his life, what? So how? If I asked you that, Jeremy, mm-hmm. what would your response be? Trent, it was that a clear question, right?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a real, it's a very common, very old argument, it's philosophical just, I mean, the argument.
0: Old, the old as stone, the old as days, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes says, and people have been asking that question for a long time. And I guess you know, C.S. Lewis wrote even wrote a book about it called The Problem of Pain when he lost his wife, and and so you see. People asking that question, but theologically, you know, the answer, the, an- the the objective answer, won't please someone who's lost, because that's not really their problem. Their problem is that they're dead in their sin, and they hate God, and they're looking for something. So, trying to argue with people every taut and tittle, like trying to explain to them why a good God is love and God is real, that's not really going to convert anyone, because they're just that's not their that's not their issue. We can't argue someone in the kingdom of God, but. You can give them the theological, biblical answer, which is right. God is going to restore creation. He is—he <clears throat> is in the process of righting every wrong and wiping away every tear, and it's promised in the end of Revelation. God will literally throw every unrighteous sinner in hell, and He will comfort the saints, and He See, will restore creation. So God's doing it, and on His timetable, it's like that, right? Because. A day to us, a thousand years to God. Bible says so. He's a, He's transcendent out of time. He's not bound to time. That's why He said, you know, I come quickly, and He's still not here two thousand years later. But God is in the process of restoring creation. So why does why does God allow rape? That's that's one one place right. one place of contention people have expressed to me. Why does if God's all knowing, if God's all powerful, He knows someone's going to get raped. Why does not He stop it? And pretty much that comes down to the the issue of free will. The Calvinist might say that God is the orchestrator of all events, good and evil. Well, as someone who leans more Arminian or free will, we obviously have free will that God respects, and so God's not going to stop every free will free will action. Now, he promises to be present in them and work through them, but he he created us at free will. Adam and Eve had freedom of conscience. They chose to eat the apple. They chose to destroy creation. They chose to give us this fallen, sinful nature that we manifest. After the age of accountability, so that's when we commit our first sin. All right. So we're to blame. God's not to blame. And so, for so a lost person to make those kind of arguments, or even so even a Christian who is struggling with that question, I've never really struggled with it. You know, the narrative of the Bible doesn't raise that question. God is constantly rewarding the good and, and uh, punishing the bad throughout the scriptures, but. I feel like I'm ranting. Did I, did I, did I answer no, your question?
0: I mean, that, that pretty much nailed it because, you know, I was talking to this guy and the way I explained it was, listen, like, you know, mm-hmm. God, he was like, well, didn't God create evil? Like if God created Oh, yeah. People, you
1: said that over lunch. You said um, yeah. God wouldn't be God without evil. Kind of like it yeah, kind of so like a. He e- gave
0: me this example of like a yin and yang. Like a yin and like
1: yang God, Eastern philosophy. Cannot,
2: mm-hmm.
0: God cannot be God Without evil, like there, there yeah. for there to be good, there must be evil. Yeah, so, that's
1: um, that would that would that would raise the question: d- Is Satan God's adversary, or is Satan God's creation? Right, because he is the adversary of God, only because God allows him to be the adversary. Right. God created Satan, so there was a time where nothing existed but God. Right, where the triune God existed to the exclusion of everything else, because He created everything. So the idea, so that does that mean God's evil, that in his very nature he manifests evil, sort of like a a, a balance in the force in Star yeah. Wars. And that's cool in mythology and folklore of Star Wars, but it's not biblical. And yeah. it doesn't make sense because that would mean that would imply that evil itself or even Satan is pre existent and doesn't not have a moment of creation.
0: So when like just to kind of oversimplify it.
1: Yeah, oversimplify for me. Because I know I, I'm probably no, no, no. I think I'm probably great. not making sense.
0: But, you know, if I always thought about it like this if God was to get rid of evil and get rid of all things that are evil, mm-hmm. he would get rid of me and you. He would take our breath away like that because, you know, we're manifested
1: in sense. And as you know, yeah, that's a good heinous. point because no one, no one thinks when they ask that question, oh, they don't really think how, evil, how evil they are. Compared yeah. to a holy God. What they think about is
0: rape. They think about murder. They think about, you they know They compare
1: themselves with others and not God.
0: Exactly.
1: That's exactly the question. If you so think the, if you think about for for instance, look at this we could look at the Bible. You know, we look at um Isaiah when he was caught up to heaven in his visions, and he saw the trail of God's cloak in the temple, it filled the whole temple. Yeah, you know, and he saw the wonders and the glory and the holiness of God. And he says, Woe is me, I'm unclean. And I'm of a people with unclean lips. So even Isaiah, the prophet, in in comparison to God in his glory, realized how unglory and unholy and wretched he was. And so it's easy to forget how wretched we are when we always compare ourselves to others. Exactly. And that's what
0: I was trying to explain to him was. You know,
1: I like but, that. I like that shady right out of it. That's that was good.
0: Well, the, you know, a lot of people do think about they think when they think about well, why doesn't God get rid of evil is that? Well, I mean, do you want God to get rid of you? And mm-hmm. the thing is, listen, God allows things to happen. God does not intervene all the time. Mm-hmm. He can and he will. We're not all the
1: time, and according to God's foreknowledge, He's all. You know, their, their predestination is not a Calvinist word; it's a biblical word. It's a biblical word, and there's a way to interpret it that doesn't nullify our free will and exactly. choice, and does not make God the author of evil. Mm-hmm. Which, if you read John Calvin Institutes, you know he does refer to God, Satan as uh, God's minister of evil. So we don't have to interpret the sovereignty of God to that extreme, but yeah. God is still sovereign. And yes, in his foreknowledge, he allowed us to eat the fruit. He allowed Satan to tempt Eve. He allowed those things. And he makes a decision through election to use the evils of this world for that narrative of without, without, um, without good, there is no evil and vice versa. And that's kind of true in a narrative sense of like storytelling. I've listened to Jordan Peterson kind of stuff. You know, a hero needs a villain or he it comes the hero. And so you can make the argument in God's foreknowledge, he worked with those free will decisions to bring the best out of us. And Romans 8 talks about that, how he works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. That God's working everything for his glory and our good. Now, I don't know how the rape of a woman God works with, but that promise in in, in Romans 8 is there. If If the woman who falls into that... Circumstance loves God. God is working everything in her life for her good. Now He's not causing it, but He's working in the midst of it. So that should give us comfort.
0: Yeah, Trent. What do you What do you think? What's about your thoughts, it? Trent? I mean, come on, man.
1: Jump in, man. You got a, man. You got that associate's degree I got on the wall too, man. You got one talk. No,
2: no, I agree with you. I really, yeah, I agree with exactly what
1: you're saying. You do. So how would you How, how would, you, would you explain that? Would you explain? <laughs> <laughs> he's our tech guy. Don't worry, guy. So Trent, he like, saved us in that. For that an testing. example,
0: if someone came up to you and, and 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 said, "Why why doesn't God get rid of all evil?" What would what would be another way to explain it, or you know, just
2: that's how I've always explained it.
0: Just simply because you know, you guys get rid of you, and one yeah. I guess I guess I guess what I've always thought, you know, I've, and that's what I told my buddy here. I told him, listen, God's not going to force himself upon anybody. He's not gonna. He's except not gonna Paul. make you love him. He's except not gonna Paul. make you worship him. You know. Hey, are you, you
1: hearing said? my? I said except Paul.
0: Now wait a minute.
1: <laughs> he's always <up> at <laughs> footnote. We minions. look fast.
0: There's always an exception, I suppose.
1: I'm gonna make you blind until you follow me. It's your free will, you know. <laughs> but you know, there's yeah. We've heard seminary professors say that. Well, God was convicting Paul the whole time before he. Like, Bible never says that. We can think that, but that's just a mystery. We need to leave there, right? Yeah. That God is sovereign, and you know He does respect our free will, but at the same time, God is. It's God who opens our hearts. That's right. You know the the, the kids at church camp who I led the Lord this past summer. They didn't come to me until the Holy Spirit convicted them. Right. Now, I don't know how that all works, but there's two aspects to it. God plays a part in it too. I'm not a Calvinist anymore, but there, there's a part in that where the Holy Spirit moves. Right. And convicts the world of sin. So I always explain to it like the to
0: this guy, you know, like God's God's not gonna force himself upon you. So it's kinda like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have a choice.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, he allowed he allowed Satan to mm-hmm. deny him and say, oh, I want to be like God. And he got cast down to earth. Same thing with his, with his angels, his yeah. angels. God allowed those angels easy, very easily. God could have just cast them into hell saying, no, like you will never do this. Some and,
1: angels are in hell.
0: It, it, well, yeah, but you know, he, he allowed those angels to walk away. And how many, how many, it was like a third of the angels.
1: Well, um, are you, are you referring to what I said? My yes. comment? Well, I'm referring to this to a different fall of the angels than the original fall. I believe there's two angel falls. That makes oh, any sense.
0: There's the pastor, Pastor Bowers, that <laughs> is ahead. Well, of I me. believe. Um, <laughs> I don't know about I believe Genesis like
1: chapter six refers to it, which is um Genesis
0: chapter six.
1: Yeah, you want to pull it up?
0: Yeah, I'll
1: pull it up. No, this is a matter of interpretation. But um, Was- if anyone's listening, we have no script. We're just talking today. We're, yeah, going, yeah, we're going all over yeah, the place I mean, this is
0: <laughs> this is where does you get,
1: man. well yeah in genesis chapter six it what, refers what verse uh starting in verse one okay i'm gonna read it yeah go ahead so it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters are born unto them that the sons of god and if you look at the term sons of god in the old testament it refers to That's uh angel. pretty much angels and if you re- if you reference um Josephus, a Jewish historian, and others, and, and Jewish and uh, Jewish commentaries of that time, the sons of God referred to angels. And even in Job, it says that when um when the sons of God came and present themselves before the Lord in heaven, like a heavenly council, yeah. Satan walked in among them. So sons of God is pretty much angels. That's my conviction. And this is a it's not it's not a private interpretation. So no, it's a pretty common that the sons of God, treated read it again saw the daughters of men. Notice, notice if you are looking at this with us, notice the sons of God and draws a distinction of the sons of God and the daughters of men. They now,
0: saw the sons of God saw the daughters. Now before of we, men. before
1: we exegete this, what does that say to you? It's just off the top of your head.
0: Off the top of my head, that looks like angels okay. are
1: looking at. If you look at Thomas Nelson daughters. or, or anyone most common study Bibles, John MacArthur is pretty good about being honest with the text. That yeah. It is angels. They'll say it's the sons of Adol, the sons of um, Seth, saw the daughters of Cain. That, that Seth's line was godly line. They they uh, married uh, pagan women, basically. Hmm. That's what they'll say. I think that's foolish. I think it's it violates what historically the Jews read how they read this, and also it makes a distinction. God could have all honestly said that. He he could have said sons of Seth. He could have said daughters of Cain. Instead, he said. Sons of God saw the daughters of men. Let's continue reading it. That they were fair. That they took them wives of which they chose. And the Lord said, "My spirit shall not always strive with man, but he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years." There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. And we all know what came in unto them means in the King James. Yes. The daughters of men, and they bear children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And so, honestly, we all know that if I marry a pagan woman, I don't produce a giant. And (laughs) and if you look in, if we look in, uh, and this obviously is the word Nephilim, which means like fallen ones. And what the King James traditionally translated giants and we remember uh, Goliath and the 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 people in the promised land that were giants in those days also. And you, if you do like the tracing, that's the same context as this. That's my heater if you're looking at my heater. And so I believe these were angels and they fell after Lucifer fell. And also if you look in First Peter, Second Peter. So 2 Peter, just, just,
0: just wrap this up for me because I've never heard of this before. Yeah. What it sounds like to me
1: that there were angels who fell, who took human wives in the days of Noah, and that union brought forth the giants. And God flooded them in the flooded them in the ark. And flooded them with the with the, with the flood. Really? And that's how what, did we miss this? Because most of our people, a lot of our people teach that it was the sons of uh Seth and daughters of Cain. If anyone believes that, you know, they're more than welcome to believe that. But I don't think it's being honest with what it says. So
0: you're so you think this is all brand new to me. I right? think
1: fallen angels made it with humans and created giants. That's, so That's they, what I believe.
0: So fallen angels had wives speaking openly and had intimacy with these women
1: mm-hmm.
0: and had children with these women that turned into giants.
1: Yeah. At least the size of Goliath. Remember, Goliath was yes. a runt. And so... That is crazy. Yeah. And in First Peter, First Second Peter, it talks about it also in Jude. It talks about that these angels who did not who left their first habitation. So are we talking about demons? Yeah, demons, fallen angels, same thing. So I,
0: demons have the capability, or at least did have the capability, to
1: yep. to impregnate based on the plain women? reading of the text. But back to what I was saying. my first, have pe- you heard of this?
2: Yeah, it's a You've common of
1: this. it's a common debate at TBI. Like it's we've heard about it.
0: Yeah, it's no normal. That would be awesome, Sunday school class. (laughs) Can you imagine? I've been called a
1: heretic in Sunday school for teaching this, but hey, it's... But that that preacher came and apologized to me because a lot of our ABA people actually believe it. And Trent, so, what are you,
0: what are your thoughts on this? Like when you first heard of this, what was your reaction? Is it like mine? You're like, what, what in the world? I
2: always thought about the, the movie Noah. Have
1: you seen that? <laughs> okay, hey, actually, what? the what that's based that takes that takes this story and kind of gets it wrong. Right. But they're called the Watchers in Psalms. They were watching over humanity and they left their first habitat. But real quick, before for Trent gives his two speech. In First and Second Peter and Jude, it also talks about the angels who did not stay in their first habitation but fell, and they know well that could be referring to Lucifer, right? But it says they have remained in chains and judgment in the belly of the earth till this day. We all know Lucifer and his angels are walking around. Je- yeah. Jesus yeah, ca- has cast them out. Job talks about it. Jesus is being tempted by Satan. So there, there's a group of angels who left, who did not remain in their first habitation, who chased strange flesh. And they were they are reserved in judgment till this day, so this is a, this is a spe- this is a, a separate category of angels from Lucifer's angels. Yeah. So I think when you take Genesis six, you refer to um, Joseph Antiquity of the Jews. Where is it? It's somewhere, and just any kind of source from this time period. That's how they read it. The Greek Septuagint translation of the Old Testament talks about angels in this context, and First, Second Peter and Jude when you take all that in consideration and extra biblical literature, like the book of Enoch, yeah, the book of Jasher. Okay. Now these books are not inspired, but they're historical books that shine, that shine Jewish thought into this. And so, wow. but Trent, you want to go ahead? And I, I, wanted, I well, wanted to push that. Uh, well, We want your commentary though.
0: Well, before Trent commentaries on that, let's take a small break uh, at 30 minutes here, because this is on the computer with this new setup. For some reason, it only allows me to go 30 minutes and then we got to do a new take. So we'll be right back. Um, I'm laying in with Jeremy Bowers, Trenton Barrios, and this is By the Campfire with Barrios. We'll be right back. Just sit down. Weird. Get the mic up close to you. Trent, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. So I know you're not
2: feeling... (laughs) (laughs) You have one, too.
0: That's not... No, I don't. Oh! (laughs) Trent, tell me... So... (sighs) When you first took on that church, you know, you're a music minister, you know, what is your title and what do you do?
2: Well, I'm one of the worship leaders... At Arp First Baptist Church, and um, I'm also in charge of all the audio and video media for our sound system, our live streaming, and all that stuff. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> it was like this with with me and Tommy and Trevor did the first podcast. No, yeah, we could not stop laughing. Really,
2: so,
0: Trey, you've done a lot of work up there. So I when, have. So, uh, a major question I'd like to ask you okay. is um, is by Aaron. When are you going to propose to Aaron?
2: Well, um, <laughs> very confidential. <laughs> very confidential. Time will come and it will happen when it happens. It will
0: happen when it happens.
2: By the way, I'm sick right now, so that's why it sounds Well, maybe it hopefully it
0: will give it more bass, you know, to your to your voice. Yeah. but have you taken any like uh, Tylenol or I've
2: taken nothing. I have done some peppermint in my diffuser. Some you know, essential oils, (laughs) which was recommended by Aaron, but it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything? It didn't clear up
0: your sinuses or nothing? No, it didn't
2: do anything. It just smelled good.
0: It just smelled good. Well, I mean, can you smell it?
2: Oh, yeah. No, I have smell, yeah. But I just have a, just a small cold.
0: Yeah. Trent, I have a buddy that listens to contemporary music. Mm -hmm. And that's all he listens to. He doesn't even listen to Helms anymore. Uh, Can you tell me? Or Helms. Hymns. Hymns. Whatever. So tell me, what are some of the most, tell me your top three or top five, whatever, some of your favorite contemporary music songs that you would love to get into more traditional churches, such as this one?
2: Yeah, um, probably one of my favorites is um, a song by Phil Wickham. I know we were talking about it. Okay, him who is earlier. this Phil Wickham? Phil Wickham is a contemporary singer, musician, but he's also like, a worship leader, so he goes on tour and does his music, but also comes home and and talks about his church. I mean, not talks about his church. He comes and leads worship at his church, but he does a lot of like worship nights. Like last year, I went over to one of his concerts where it was basically him and his acoustic guitar, and he sang just a bunch of worship music, and it was just a moment of worshiping. It was really great. It was really but great. my favorite song from him is called "A Living Hope," so you should look it up. It's really nice. It's a really great song about, about you know, basically salvation.
0: What about that song, yeah. Different? Who are
2: you talking
1: about? Real quick? He's
0: like talking about contemporary
1: music. Two, uh, uh, Wickham? Artist. Wickham? Phil Wickham? Phil Wickham. I love that song. Um, Wickham. That it sounds something off water, of like it, Pride it, and Prejudice. Blood and
2: water. What's the song called? Bother's Love? not Phil Wickham. <laughs> it's still with me. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. What's it called? Bother's Love. It. Play it real quick. You to get copyrighted.
0: No, we don't make any money. It's all free, so I can I can actually do just about anything on this.
2: Father's Love by Bob Charlie. Go ahead. He has a version though.
1: Real quick, I I know where I know. I to just
2: play it real quick and see what it sounds like.
0: My wife has
2: texted me, and I can
1: show you real quick. Here.
2: Not finding it. Are you sure it's not Chris Tomlin? No,
1: no.
2: it's Phil Wickham. Chris Tomlin,
0: that's that's literally that's, mine. That's
1: that's. I'm pretty no, sure he has one. Was a, I know, okay,
0: well,
2: it must be a cover. He didn't write the song. No, I, don't, I don't
1: Well, know play that it. That play that real is. quick. Just I put I it up to it. I'm what do you
0: mean you don't have it? Look it up on Father's YouTube love? or Spotify. Here, I'll look it up. Follow, no,
1: okay.
0: play Play it on a mic or something.
1: True love. Sorry, it's called True Love. True uh, love. True love.
0: And 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 you and this song, you, you would like for it to be
2: in church. I would love for the song to be in church. Oh, no, that, that wasn't my choice. That was Jeremy's song.
1: I would love the song to be in church. Yeah, i play it real quick.
2: True Love. Oh. You heard of song? Yeah.
1: I love you, Trent. It's a brother-in-law. Oh. You're in my throne.
0: Okay. Trent, get over here real quick.
1: <laughs> I'll play a song, though. Why would you go that way? Because... You're you're really skinny, so You could do it
0: comes sit like, uh, like right here. Want me to play the song, Landon? Uh, I don't care who. Oh yeah, you can play the song. It may sound a little weird. We
1: play the first song on the course. It's we'll
0: like four minutes later. Turn it down, just a tag. I'm, I'm worried it's gonna hit my mic too.
1: Is yeah, that's not what it sounds like. This is old and
2: old, old, old. That sounds like a girl. It
1: does. I like the song. Big, is the lyrics. Though,
2: right? That's no, a girl. No, it's not. Listen, listen. Listen.
0: for
1: the broken we you
0: I don't, I just, I <laughs> turn off. I just it don't does, see that. It does
1: sound a little girly. I
0: don't see that in church,
1: though. Is Actually, that me?
0: Am I? Am I just too? Am I an old soul? Trent, am I an old soul?
1: You're an old soul.
2: That that's. I will in in the uh, modern, modern.
1: Now I will say this:
2: Christians, you know, not modern Christians in a bad way, but modern Christians, as in today's our culture, it it's a lot of songs like that. Maybe a little bit more harder than that.
1: I will say this: He does sound a little girly in that. In that song. And the version,
2: the version the I heard,
1: actually in my sending church, Missionary Baptist Church, someone sang that as a special. Yeah. But he had a, he had a deeper voice, and he also sang it much faster. And so I heard it as a, as a, actually I actually heard it in one of my conservative King James only churches that it was a special on an acoustic guitar. I think if someone I sang loved it,
0: it. I think if someone sang it on the piano. Or if they sang it with playing the piano, I think it would sound amazing.
1: Why does it got to be a piano though?
0: <laughs> I'm an old school guy. You
1: know, I feel like well, you, you, we know, have do you hymns. know, do you know there was but Helms. hey, but Landon, though, do you do you do know then when pianos were first brought into churches, they rioted Yes, yes because yes. it was a saloon instrument. Well, and they were using those same arguments you're using against people wanting the pianos in the church, and also. There are people who say hymns are liberal, and they prefer singing the psalms.
0: Trent, what
1: is the most yeah. okay?
0: I, that song's okay. I mean, you, yeah. you,
1: you, I, I'll, I'll buy. I, it. I'll, I'll buy. Love, it. I'll, I'll, love, buy it. I'll buy. It. But I love hymns too, and I don't. I, I like a blended service. My yes. church uses hymns, and I, I would prefer a more blended service. But I respect the hymns, and I think they have good theology. The hymns in them. are
0: beautiful,
1: dude. Have you? But but there have, are contemporary Hymns. But there are contemporary okay. songs that have just a hymn book. But there are contemporary songs that have good lyrics too. I'm gonna show so, you
0: something. Look up near my God to me
1: And also, Lynn, another thing that I've been thinking about is the Bible says singing hymns and spiritual songs when they fellowship together. So if if a church conviction is hymns only, more power to them. We're local churches, but we gotta be careful about making it a, a test of fellowship, most definitely. In my opinion. But obviously this is your showland. You can control the flow of conversation.
0: <laughs> well, no, I mean this is an open topic. Okay, okay. But I just I listen, listen to this. This is one of my favorite songs. I still
1: want to over talk or over talk to anything.
0: No, 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 no. I I mean this is listen. Okay. I
1: mean, you were it, looking it, a little grumpy though. I wanted I'm, to make I'm sure I'm not grumpy. <laughs> Do I look grumpy to you? You did a little bit.
0: I'm not grumpy.
1: <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Jerk. Near my God to thee, yeah, near my God, like, I got it. <laughs> I
0: know what I'm doing. <clears throat> near my God to thee. no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but listen, listen to these words. Near my God to thee, near to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my songs shall be near my God to thee. Through like the wander, the sun gro- gone down darkness to overcome me, my rest a stone. Yet in my dreams, I'd be near my God to thee. There let the way appear, steps unto heaven. All that thou stony grieves, Bethel I'll rise. So be my woes to be neither ne- near my God to thee. Or if on joyful wings, Cleaving the sky, sun, moon, and stars forgot. Upward I fly, still on, still all my song shall be
1: near my God to Thee. Mm-hmm.
0: So, all I'm saying is,
1: can I show you some lyrics real quick? Yeah, this so, is one of my favorite songs. Explain. Oh my bad. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no
0: get ready. Get get your presentation ready, <laughs> ready. And there's there's I just picked that one because that one came up to mind, and one of them kind of looked kind of. You know, rock my boat a little bit because I was like, run the world, but it's pretty much talking about um, no matter what I go through in life, whether it's good, bad, or or what, whatever, I'm close to God, I'm mm-hmm. closer to God, near my God to thee. Uh, and there's so many helms that I mean, you, if you sometimes I'd almost like He lifted me, like, if if you, he could, lifted almost, me. Mm-hmm. you could almost do. Um, like for I'll just li- I'll read the chorus. Listen to this: From sinking sand, He lifted me with tender hands. He lifted mm-hmm. me from shades of night and plains of light. Oh, praise His name! Yeah, mm-hmm. He lifted me. So if we are to. Go to the old hymns, and we we you know they've been around for ages now, and they're old. But some of those some of those are written
1: like the sixties. They're not super old. They're not
0: super old. But but like what I'm saying is the the power of the lyrics of the words it holds. Mm -hmm. I mean I mean are so strong, you know, and so convicting. So and I almost want to bring a sermon, uh, uh, you know, a message that just kind of. Preaches on, I know it's kind of wanky, but I wonder if we could do it. Just talk about the hymns. Why do churches still use hymns? Because of the power it holds. Because of the words it uses, some of them are like entire verses in scripture. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, well,
1: well, you you were gonna say something yeah. about? Yeah, well, because you know, I listen to both. Um, actually, in my private worship, I listen to a lot of contemporary. Yeah. Um. And this is one of my favorite songs that I've listened to. Well, my Assembly of God Church played it when I when I was Assembly of God. The Southern Baptist Church I was at played it. And I just maintained it in my personal worship. And it's a uh, read the lyrics. It's just to testify there's beautiful lyrics made today. And not they're not all liberal. One is it's called The Great I Am. Trent probably might have heard it. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite songs. It says, I want to be close, close to your side. So heaven is real and death is a lie. I want to hear voices of angels above, singing as one, Hallelujah, holy, holy, God Almighty, the great I am, who is worthy. None beside thee, God Almighty, the great I am. I want to be near, near to your heart, loving the world, hating the dark. I want to see dry bones living again, singing as one. Then it goes through the Hallelujah, holy, holy, God Almighty, then it says, the mountains shake before you, the demons run and flee at the mention of the name, King of majesty. There is no power in hell or any who can stand for the power and the presence of the great I am. And the rest is more of the, of the, what do you call it? No, it's more of the, like at the end, we're glorifying God. Doxology is what it calls. Yeah. And so, and personally, as a conservative Baptist, I have no issue with the lyrics of this song. And I mean, that's how the angel, if you look at the, many eyed beasts in Revelation, they said holy, holy Lord God Almighty. They use that repetitive chorus yeah. nature in, in, in Revelation. And so I like both. You know, I try to say obviously we can agree like the charismatics go too far. Um and some songs have false doctrine in them. But well, some some hymns have false doctrine in them too. And so I don't so, know.
0: So Trent, what can you bring up like another Song that you would like to play in churches more,
2: yeah. Um, Living Hope,
1: Is Living Hope,
0: it? Living Hope. I can do this one, a Living Hope by who,
2: Will it come? okay? <laughs> yeah,
0: I
1: don't, I, The Effeminate Dude, I, <laughs>
2: no, that was an old song. Yeah, like I, I
1: had to scroll through like eight albums to find it, so yeah.
0: Well, all of a sudden, now it's over here.
1: I mean, I listen to Christian death metals and Christian heavy metals, so I can't judge nobody. My that's what I work out. I am a Jesus. How lovely that course for that. Have you seen this song? I, many times. <clears throat> Our church really
0: loves this song. That, that, that is good. What's something that, like, like what, okay, blow me out of the water here. What is one song that they do in churches as praise and worship? What do you mean? Like that, it, that, That's like, that would be like, oh, my goodness, maybe not that one. Uh,
2: <clears throat>
1: my main thing isn't necessarily the songs. I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's,
2: more
1: it's more when it becomes a, a concert. concert. You know, when it becomes, mm-hmm. well, I know me and Trent kind of, he li- he likes the laser show and the smoke. Oh. Well, I, not I uh, don't, and we can agree, disagree as Christian brothers, you know, that's what churches so wait, wait, are, churches wait, are local. It,
2: Trent? You, what now? Well, I just believe that there's many ways we can, and, and y'all will agree with me, there's many yeah. ways that we can Y'all will agree with me. Yeah. There's That there's many different ways to worship God rather than just singing and music. Yeah, absolutely. So through prayer and through your daily conversation. And I think there's very many, uh, what I think is that we should be giving God the greatest out of that we can. And if there's somebody who has an amazing ability to play the guitar, that's they should use that. There's someone that has an amazing ability to play uh the bass, mm-hmm. the drums, or the piano. The
1: contention the contention was the laser lights and the smoke though. If there's somebody
2: yeah. who is really good in lighting and uh, some people will argue that what we should be giving God is should be perfect or not perfect but as perfect as we can get it. It should be great and it should be magnificent. And people can argue that they're putting on a show for God, I guess.
1: D- do you do you understand the criticisms though that people have with no, um I with I definitely understand. I'm not a big fan of like the laser
2: light. Well, let light me pose everywhere.
1: let me pose the question so the audience knows what I'm getting at. Um like the John MacArthur Strange Fire conference where they criticize the charismatic worship where it looks like a rock concert, right. and honestly, do you understand, do you, do you acknowledge there's a risk of seeker of being so seeker-friendly that people go for the experience and not for the doctrine and the preaching? Because yes. we both know people, we've heard the antidotal people who have left a church for a different church purely because of the music style, not happen. the doctrine.
2: Yeah, that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: well, you I mean, know what, people can... That goes not back tr- to their
2: hearts.
1: Yeah, of course, say, of course. But we have to of- ask, though, why are we doing this? Is it to get people in the right. door, no, or is it truly a conviction to glorify I God? Mean,
2: personally, I don't am not a huge fan of the whole laser lights flying mm-hmm. everywhere. I'm more of—I like to use the feature of lighting to kind of direct Attention. where worship is going. If, if If it's really dark and somber, we're singing softly. You know, it kind of puts people in focus of what we're doing. When it's a big moment about the resurrection of Christ, maybe we can turn the lights up brighter or something like that. It's more about putting focus on what they're doing. A lot of things, like something that people do is is on the projector screen to emphasize words of the song. Uh, they will make <clears throat> the key words of the phrase, um, like it would say, Christ Jesus defeated death.
1: But it hits the lights? Well, oh, No, it is. Oh.
2: On the lyrics itself it would be like our lord christ jesus i'm just making something up, and then in larger font make it more it would say defeated the grave defeated death you know i like that song and and so i think as worship leaders we are to direct people towards christ and to put focus on on certain elements of the song helps that
0: that's good i can't argue with that yeah
1: I do think though. Um, think, well, well, let me let me go first, yeah. let me just
0: pitch this idea. Um, my biggest fear, and Trent and I have talked about this. My biggest fear is emotion.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know whether you know you got to have room for the Holy Spirit to move. You got to have room for the Holy Spirit to really get in there and and focus and deal with people. And what's dangerous is unintentionally sometimes we can, you know. Uh, instead of maybe feeling the Holy Spirit, maybe that's emotion, maybe that's your self-emotion. But what Trent is saying here with the lighting and everything, uh, the false when I when I look at like praise and worship and stuff like that, um, I love praise and worship. I think it's great. Um, I I am, and this is kind of what is what we shouldn't be. but This is what I struggle with. I I do like a very sovereign mm-hmm. worship. I like old hymns because I'm used to them and I know them and I know the story of what they say. I've also seen the change in churches that you can bring so many people in by changing your music
1: and your Bible translations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that can be good and that can be bad. Um, I do agree with Trent. That. That. The culture has changed. And we there's no argument that Paul and John and all those disciples or whoever in the Bible days did not sing any of these songs that we sing today. Not one of them. In fact, the songs we sing today aren't even all that old. I mean, some of them may be uh, from the 50s. Yeah, they're not even a 100 years old. Uh, I mean, most of them. I mean, I mean some even,
1: of them are some of them are from if actually from Martin Luther which was like 1500 well how many years like 800 years ago yeah, yeah. yeah. and um he was a lutheran and so i mean
0: and yeah, and, I mean, exactly. and Trent
1: knows John we Calvin, yeah wrote a bunch of they wrote beautiful yeah. hymns but and you know we me and Trent we agree more than we disagree when it comes to worship. I try to be more of a moderate cuz i've seen the day i am coming from a pentecostal background. I've seen the the dangers of emotion and experience where it's more of an experience than than because the church is foremost supposed to be a time of doctrine and preaching and teaching of the word of God to change our hearts and lives. Worship is just extra. It's good. It's needed. It's necessary, but the word of God needs to come first. So as long as it doesn't take away from that, I'm okay with uh, a blended service where, go ahead, hop in.
2: A quote I heard Mm -hmm. is, and this really, really, really ties it together is worship prepares us for the word yeah mm-hmm. and the word prepares us for worship
1: like a symbiotic so time. so like a symbiotic relationship yeah,
2: because mm-hmm. worship, wait, wait, say it one more time I worship it. prepares us for the word okay and the word prepares us for worshiping God
1: so are you taking worship in the sense of its Greek meaning like to love and adore
2: um yeah I mean it can be towards God
1: okay there's a lot of translations. Like, for instance, we're actually studying this in exegesis class in Dr. Barrios' class at TBI where. What? what? Barros? Barrios, sorry. Um, yeah, he's a teacher from Brazil. He stayed at Cambridge. Really cool guy. But, he
0: stays in a camper? No,
1: he studied at Cambridge in England.
0: Cambridge. What is that?
1: To university. Really? Like it, it, it's one. It's Listen, one. Of, you're talking. To it's some it's one. Of, it's again. one of the universities. Of universities. It's it's it's, it's a, it goes along with Oxford University, and they translated the King James Bible back in the day. So it's it's a very classic university. But he anyway, he's teaching us how to exegete and write essays. Exegete means to interpret the Bible, pretty much. And in Matthew chapter eight, verses one through four, one through five, it talks about the um, the cleansing of the leper. When Jesus came down, and the multitude followed him, and a leper came. Seeking to be healed of his leprosy and said, If if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I am willing, and he stretched forth his hand, made his leprosy disappear. That but it says he came worshiping Jesus. And um the New american Standard Bible says he came bowing down to him. The Dewey Rings Catholic translation, which translated translated from the Latin Vulgate, translates it. Um as it was translated from the Latin, Latin was translated from the Greek. And so it carries with it those two traditions of the language. And it, it, it translates that he came adoring him. So we have worship. We have bowing down. We have adoring him. So adoration. So when I thought of that, I'm like, wow. So when I worship God, I'm adoring him. Yeah. So I do think emotion can play and yeah. should play within oh, oh, biblical con- con- biblically constricted. Our scripture scripture should regulate worship. Exactly. I'm old school like that. I And I, I'm not saying you don't either. I'm saying is... Yeah in my philosophy script I'm, as associational Baptist, the lineage of Baptist history, scripture needs to regulate how we do our services. Kind of like how the Puritans thought about it, but not that extreme. Mm. And so, and that's, I have no problem with having acoustic instruments and singing forever rains. I actually wanted you to sing, sing that ordination. With the, the presbytery came out before you could. I, I love that song. I'm just, I am weary of the light show and the, the and lights the and the and all that. I am weary of that.
2: Um, worship should be. This is what I was taught. This is what I believe. Mm-hmm. Worship should be emotion based. That means when what is an emotion? Joy, anger. It should be based on an emotion of joy. Mm-hmm. Worship is the response. This is what it is. It's the response. It's our response to what God has done for us. Yeah. That's why we. That's what worship is. Now, what we shouldn't have is what's called emotionalism, which is created, self-created emotion,
1: like the Disney version of love. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
2: We should. God created emotion for us to use to worship Him. Mm-hmm. Joy. You know, I lead I worship. Can, and I see people smiling. Can you
1: draw the distinction between what you're talking about, emotion, and what's what, what an emotionalism? Yeah.
2: Well, when you're worshiping, I've, when I'm leading worship, I've seen people smiling and crying, okay. and really and whether that's real or fake, I don't know. That's between them. And no, them. I meant like
1: let me. Rephrase, let me rephrase the question. What's the difference categorically between emotional based worship in in your definition and emotionalism, like what we would see the charismatics doing?
2: Well, it's just your heart. If your it's heart just between you and God, if you are truly worshiping God, you will have joy, or you will have sadness.
1: So what? Is, but what? other question is: What is a way that biblical elders in the church, which elders? I mean, as doesn't mean old people. It means bishops, pastors, deacons. Right. How can the eldership of the church regulate worship? If how how can they shepherd the flock in that teaching, in that practice, without falling into emotionalism? If they're taking the emotional based, without keeping under wraps, like Landon said.
2: Um. I mean, one thing your pastor, your preacher can preach on it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's because you said no one can know. It's only of the heart. I well, mean, how it's, do you? It's
2: between the heart, yeah. It's I mean, you yourself know. If I'm worshiping, I know whether I'm being yeah. real or fake.
0: Yeah, and and no one's gonna know.
2: And yeah, but, but but my
0: biggest thing is with with bringing all this stuff in and the lightings and and the and the, you know the, the different kinds of music that we got. I'm sorry, I was really far away from Mike. But all these different kinds of musics and contemporary and the lighting. I the, my biggest fear.
1: Can he scoot closer? I'm worried they can't hear him.
0: No, oh, they can hear. Him. Okay, no, okay, oh, they can Okay. Hear him. Um, my biggest fear is that we push the Holy Spirit out because we put the Holy Spirit out and only allow emotion because it's what we want. It's what what makes us feel good. You know, I, this is my taste in music, so I'm putting this taste of music into church now. All these things that we've talked about, I don't, I don't disagree with anything mm-hmm. of that. Trent, like me and Trent, have had these conversations, and I've, been, and he knows where I stand. And I know where he's standing. I think
1: it's good, but I have
0: him. to admit, I have kind of. He's never really explained it,
1: and I think it's good that for, way. I think it's good for y'all to sit down and talk about it. I think like he this, never explained this, it that yeah.
0: way, and and the way how he says like, the, the, what was you, what did you say? The phrase you said earlier about like we we pray to worship and worship. To pray no, worship, and worship prepares,
1: prepares the sermon. The sermon prepares the worship. Yeah. We are supposed to live a life of worship, right? Worship. Us for the word and the word prepares us for
0: worship and then the and like okay
1: because what is worship? It's adoring God, we should right. live our lives and, adoring and, God. And
0: he was talking yeah. about the lighting. If it's if it's kind of a, a more subtle, a more softer music, whatever. Uh you that's know, true. I would admit I've well, I've enjoyed
1: on. worship, which lights are turned off. I have enjoyed those kind of worships. Right. And yeah. so
0: it kind of dims down and it kind of gets you know, you kind of get you focused yeah. in. And then we're talking about Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus, the lights come on, and it gets all happy and giddy. I am worried about emotion. I'm worried about all that. But today we we do something similar. We have certain hymns that are, what do you call it? Um, I'm a preacher and I can't think of it. Invitational hymns. Oh, yeah. There's certain hymns we have that are dedicated for, you know, um, they're dedicated for, um Invitational hymns.
1: You know there are some Baptists who are against invitations because they see it as manipulating people to make a decision. And, and you know what? That, that's valid argumentation. I mean, and
0: and that's valid. That's that's a very valid. We have argument a lot
1: of false professions. Because, in, exactly in because world.
0: the music oh, church camp, for an example, church camps. One of the we have thirty five seconds, so let me get this out. <laughs> um, church camps. One of the biggest things where it is a beautiful time. It's a wonderful time. But when that music plays and you feel that pressure and you feel everything going on. It it can be it can be deceiving sometimes Mm -hmm. because you allow emotion to come in rather than the Holy Spirit, even with hymns. Right. Well, let's take a break real quick. I mean, it's been about 30 minutes, so we'll be right back. Trent Trent has to go. He doesn't want to do another segment with us. Trent has a woman. He's got to get back to his future fiance. So, Trent, tell me what kind of advice you have for all these young folks out there that are listening to By the Campfire with
2: Barrios. Well, stay in school. Don't drink and drive. And uh, bring some marshmallows to your next By the Campfire with the Barrios. Welcome, Trent. Thank that you was good, buddy. <laughs> Have a safe drive,
1: bud. We love you. That was pretty good, Trent, actually. I love you,
0: <laughs> Tr- Trent.
1: This guy says he can't do a podcast. Trent, Trent.
0: I love you.
1: <laughs> he says he can't talk. That was actually that was really good, <laughs> Trent. That was an excellent segment. Yeah, I liked it. I think it also helped y'all understand each other better. I think so yeah. too. Um,
0: I knew if he got into some kind of like podcast environment where he almost professionally mm-hmm. explained himself, not in front of a bunch of people or family or whatever. Yeah. Like he just, I mean, that was that's why of, I
1: brought up Baba translation. I thought it would benefit the dialogue also. I think know. so
0: too. I think so too. So Jeremy, on this last segment, yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about the difference between us and Jehovah's Witness. Okay. Um, the reason I want to bring this up and guys, this one is, it's not scripted or anything. We've, we haven't gone over it. I just told Jeremy, Jeremy, this is something that's been coming up lately. Um, and if we're going to do this podcast, let's go ahead and talk about it because one of the major things that people recognize in Christianity or notices is the works of the Jehovah's witness. And, they're door knockers a lot of times and they are sometimes they're, they're irritating and whatnot, but we actually went and knocked on some doors today. Jeremy and I, we hit 37 homes. We had about maybe six, seven encounters with people. So not a whole lot of encounters. Most of them were very positive. They were very friendly. They answered the door. They were very polite. I think we only had maybe two that weren't very friendly uh, out of 37 homes. So I mean, That's, that's not too bad, but Jeremy, the, let me just kind of pitch this idea and you take it where you want to. Mm -hmm. So the Jehovah's witness, I was talking to Jehovah's witness the other day and he asked me one question and he asked me, what is God's name? And I said, Jehovah. And really like I would have normally said God, but I kind of got the vibe. He was only a Jehovah's witness would ask what is God's real name? You know, yeah. so out of kind of respect, I just said, you know, Jehovah. And he was like, oh, good. So he believes I'm going to heaven. I told him I'm a Baptist preacher. Still believes I'm going to heaven. Uh, but a buddy of mine was talking to him. Well, there's two buddies that had talked to him. The Jehovah's Witness, um, he's a co-worker of mine. Mm-hmm. And before I started, he had talked to two of his other co-workers, which is Thad and Zach. He talked to Thad and told Thad, listen, you know, you're in the military, right? And Thad goes, yeah. He goes. Well, have you have you killed anybody? Which, first of all, that's very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very. I can, like, I can
1: explain why I asked that question.
0: Oh, oh yeah. yes, and I'm hoping you would touch on that. Mm-hmm. But he first said, "Have you killed anybody?" And Thad goes, well, "I don't really know how to answer that, but that's really not something I normally or like to share with anybody." And he said, "Well, you know, if if you have, then there's no point in us having a conversation." That's exactly what dad told me. So anyways, but I, I, I kind of believe that because I know what Jehovah's witness, but I don't know if our listeners know much about Jehovah's witness. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I want to mention to you. So murder, you know, that's the first one. Second one, or if you killed someone second, sec, but second of all, the same Jehovah's witness went to Zach, different driver, went to Zach and started praying and started talking to, you know really pushing his belief on Zach. And Zach was like, I'm I'm just not ready, you know? And he told Zach this. He goes, Zach, if you wait too long, it'll be too late. Mm -hmm. And what he meant by that was like in his lifetime, like he was telling him that you only have us in your lifetime, not your whole lifetime, but in your lifetime, you have a small window that God calls you. And if you don't answer that, at that moment, it's too late. Forever. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know anything about that. That's what Jerry was talking to yep. Zach about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it made Zach feel uncomfortable. It made him feel like he's not good enough. He's too late. Like he's he's too late to be uh, saved or or be redeemed. You know, he's too late to be forgiven. Yeah. And uh, we both know about all that. You know, of course. You know, it's never too late until you actually die. Once you take your last breath. And die and your spirit leaves this earth. That's when it's too late, either heaven or hell. So,
1: in theory, but there is a certain point where you can reject God so much that He hardens your heart. And I like We talked about. Well,
0: I've talked yeah. about that. It's called the this reprobate Podcast.
1: doctrine in Romans chapter one. People are given over to reprobate mind, do things that aren't convenient. So, so I, what?
0: What is the? What is yeah. this whole notion about? You know, if if you kill someone, you can't go to heaven. What? Why? Well, I don't know. Where do they get this?
1: I, obviously, yeah, you got to also remember that. Just because someone claims to be a member of a denomination or a group does not mean they are experts in that. A lot of people would say, I'm Baptist, so this is how I see things. I've heard, I've had Baptists tell me, you knew zero about the Baptist faith. Suicide will send you to hell. That is not what Baptists believe. And so I don't know um, what the core Jehovah's Witness theology is on murder. I would assume through repentance and faith, you could be forgiven of that, just like in most other religions for that matter. Um... But he asked that question mainly, in my experience, I've worked with multiple Jehovah's Witnesses. I've read some other stuff where um, they believe that it's wrong or sinful to vote, to run for political office. Oh, really? To um, To be in the military, to have any kind of violence whatsoever. They are pacifists. And they don't believe in military. They don't even stand for the national anthem or pledge of allegiance. That was a lawsuit they fought for religious reasons. Because they, they and the one the one I know who um, explained it to me was when Satan was tempting Jesus, he offered him all the kingdoms of the earth if he would worship him. And so the kingdoms of of the world belong to Satan. So taking part in those organizations or the military, in their viewpoint, is taking part in, in Satan's kingdom. And so <clears throat> that's, that's what that, that, that tells me why he asked that question at your, at your job. And so that answered one question. Um, what was the other question?
0: The other question was, um, the, the window that oh, in yes. your lifetime. If God calls you.
1: Yeah. There's and- a certain point. You know, there's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you know, a certain point, you know, they, Jesus said they blaspheme and they could never be forgiven. Yeah. And you, people interpret that differently. Um, I think that really speaks to the Pharisees at that time, but also can be applied today. If I reject Christ so much, the more I reject Christ, the more I harden my heart against Christ. I agree with that. Like the person like Pharaoh. Yeah. Like Pharaoh who was, who hardened his heart and then God hardened him and removed divine influence and allowed the story
0: of uh, Moses and Pharaoh with the plagues and all that stuff. If you want to read that. What it's what, uh, Exodus.
1: Oh, I can't tell you the exact. I chapter. can't either. I mean, but it's I, also it's also covered in Romans nine.
0: Oh, oh yeah, also. that's right.
1: But point is, if I reject Christ to the end of my life, people will say I have. had people tell me, "Well, I'll wait till my deathbed to get saved. I'll wait till I'm old man. I've had all my fun. Chances are, by the time you get to be an old man, your heart will be so hardened against the Holy Spirit, you won't have any inclination whatsoever to get saved. Right. So there is a certain point where the Holy Spirit is no longer convicting you. You've been given over. That's it for, for everybody. Yeah, um, and we,
0: we've covered that on the podcast. But, but they, also, the, they, also, the, they also,
1: they also the Jehovah's Witness, use our definition, use our labels, but they have different definitions. They also believe in the 144,000 that there's only a certain amount of people who will be in heaven. The rest will be on the new earth. And depending on their the Jehovah's Witness, you're talking about how knowledgeable they have of their own doctrine. Some might think oh, only 144 can be saved from hell and so that might it's be not what very he much. yeah which actual jehovah's witness theology is the 144,000 in revelation refers to faithful witnesses who basically rule with christ in heaven and the rest of witnesses are on are on um the the new the new earth and that okay. makes me think that your your coworker doesn't know his own theology because he said he still thinks you're going to heaven right yeah,
0: yeah, he, and it, he he believes like, and yeah. he told me, he goes, Well, he goes, like, Just like I just, believe, goes, just because you're Baptist doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Yeah, Is, well, long, he told me, as long as I own Jehovah's name and believe in his name,
1: I'll explain that. But as much as I believe Jehovah's Witnesses are going to hell because I believe they reject the Christian faith that was handed down for their own imaginations. A true Jehovah's Witnesses is probably going to think you're going to hell too, because we don't believe the same. Yeah, and like I said, the mere fact that he said you're still going to heaven doesn't make it makes me think he doesn't know what he's talking about. But also, they don't even believe in hell. They believe in annihilationism, that when you die without knowing Jehovah, that you just you stay dead. You cease to so exist. There is there just... there is no there is no hell. Hell so can is no you
0: simplify fire. what the difference between what we believe? Because we're missionary Baptist, yes. okay.
1: So within the evangelical, we process, are Baptist, but yeah.
0: we're also not first Baptist. We're not Southern
1: Baptist. Well, first Baptist can mean anything, though.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, we are missionary Baptist. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between missionary Baptist and Jehovah's Witness, in a nutshell?
1: like well, of the it key would, things. it would be the same thing as any other orthodox christian denomination in comparison to the Jehovah's witnesses they reject the historic christian faith of who jesus did it meet me
0: no 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 it oh. just it fell they deny sorry, who
1: jesus is they deny the core doctrines that are required for salvation for instance, so they don't
0: believe in jesus right
1: they they believe in their own version of jesus not explain um they are non-trinitarian they do not believe in the Triune God they believe in can you
0: explain that one more like the they don't God.
1: they're the the God the father we believe in one God as yeah. Protestant evangelical pretty much all normal Christians in the world through the through the history since you know ad 200 300 and the Council of Nicaea officialized the Trinity Doctrine that God is there is one God in three made up of three persons: the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. These three are one. There, it's one God in three persons. Well, that sounds confusing. It's God. It's supposed to be. Yeah. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Different persons, same essence. Okay. Yeah. They don't believe. They believe there's only one God, who created Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is not God. And they and they're I have a, one of their Bibles their Bible actually says in John chapter one, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. Yeah. Their translation will say in the beginning was the word and the word was a God. The word was a, a God, God lowercase G. And they, they, they trump up charges on the Greek is as, as best translated that way. And literally no other translation other than their cultic one translates that way. Really? So they believe Jesus was created that he is not God, and that he did not have a physical resurrection, but a spiritual one. And they also believe that it's a sin to take blood transfusions. Um, we covered their views on government. Oh, um, they believe in annihilationism. They believe that once you that there is no hellfire; that hell is just you. God annihilates so you; you cease to exist.
0: So it's just like
1: they believe you they will just
0: die to
1: nothing. So you'll be resurrected, but you'll be annihilated. You'll you will cease to exist, and that basically, when you die as a as a, a believing witness, you'll you'll be in the ground, soul sleep, until the resurrection, when you're resurrected to a new body. That's what they believe, and so, and it was started. You know, basically, it's a cult. We 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 labeled as a Christian cult. Along with the United Pentecostal Church and the Mormons, and they have de- they have denied the pretty much what every other Christian group agrees on. Because there's things me and Catholics agree on. There's things me and pretty much every other denomination agree on. There's a core basic principles that the, tr- the Trinity, that Jesus is perfect and sinless and uncreated and the Son of God, Holy Spirit. All, and they they deny the person of the Holy Spirit also. And so that there's there's historic Christian doctrines, cardinal doctrines that you must believe to be saved, and they deny them basically. So, and when you deny who Jesus is and what He did, you deny you you basically negate the gospel. That's right. When you deny the resurrection, because Romans 10, Romans ten talks about the resurrection must be confessed, and First Corinthians says if He did not rise, we won't either. Yeah. And so, without the physical resurrection and without who Jesus is biblically and in reality, uh, I don't believe those groups are saved based on that. Because the United Pentecostals, you know, the ones that wear the long skirt dresses and no makeup and no TV, who everyone thinks they're Christian like us, they deny the Trinity. They believe that there's only one God who works in different modes. Basically, God, the Father, died on the cross with the mask of Jesus on, to put it in that kind of aspect. Called modalism or um, oneness, which that's heresy. That's false doctrine that negates the personhood of Jesus. Yeah. And so Mormons do the same thing with their twisted teachings. And so, so
0: you kind of touched on salvation a little bit, and we only got a few more minutes on the podcast. So. Why don't we touch on that? Let's Good. go ahead and touch on salvation. We we know that the Jehovah's Witness, they deny Jesus. They deny yes. the... the, the uh, They actually
1: believe he's Michael, the archangel incarnate.
0: Yeah. So they, the firstborn. So, so the whole idea of Jesus and he's the son of God and he died for our sins, they don't accept that
1: at all. No, they believe he died for their sins. They believe, actually on a torture stake, not a cross. They they believe a cross wasn't what, what he was. It was a stake of torture. Oh, I see. But, they, but it doesn't... Because I don't really know much about them. But it's not just... Because if you ask a Mormon, a UPC, or a um, Jehovah's Witness, did Jesus die for your sins? They're all going to say yes. Their labels are the same. Their definitions are different. For instance, the Mormon's going to say, oh yeah, Jesus is the Son of God, so is, so is that Jesus is the Son of God, but he is the spiritual son of, of Elohim and his wives and you know and that satan is his actual brother weird stuff like that but they're going to say he died for my sins and he's a son of god different definitions the jehovah's witness is going to say it's michael the archangel incarnate the firstborn of creation that god created him and he didn't physically rise but he spiritually rose so he he died for my sins and rose for them different definition and the united pentecostal will just say oh it was just God working in the mode of God, the son right. and denying the personhood of Jesus. And so their definitions are different, but their labels are the same. And mm-hmm. so they'll say he died for my sins, but a Jesus who doesn't exist can't die for your sins. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one come the father, but by me. So if we get who, who he is wrong, there is no path to salvation. And so, for instance, you know it's even you know I believe there are some Catholics who are saved simply because they have the Triune God, they have they are orthodox in who Jesus is, and I, my uncle who's an independent Baptist preacher told me something very wise that there are sometimes denominations and people within denominations who are saved in spite of their denomination because the gospel is that powerful. All right now, yes, you know denying faith alone that kind of stuff gets in the way of salvation, but you basically remove. Any hope of salvation, if the God you're worshiping isn't the same God as the Old, as, as the Bible, and so wow. that's that's what I define as heresy—something that divides the body of Christ, something that divides and puts you outside of the gospel. And so, I believe the Jehovah's Witnesses do that with their teachings, and they they deny eternal security of the believer as well. They deny faith alone. That
0: you that you can
1: they they they, they believe they don't believe faith alone like we do, right? They are not with what you would see from coming out of the Reformation. No.
0: I want to touch on something, kind of talking to the listeners out there, and you know, Jeremy, if you have anything to add, you know, you know, go ahead and you know, do it with me. But mm-hmm. if anyone's out there looking for hope, and if they're, if they're looking for for Christ, I had a buddy of mine, in fact, Zach. He he came up to me the other day, and I hadn't been, I haven't known him very long. He came to me and he said, and we were talking about Christ and everything. He kept bringing it up. And I finally told him, "Hey, you know, I don't," because he asked me if I was a Christian. I said, "Yeah, I'm a Christian." And later, I told him, "Hey, I'm actually a preacher," you know, because he he kept asking questions after question after question. And uh, he came to me and he told me, he said, "Does it?" And this is straight out of Walmart, but guys, n- no joke. He 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 asked me this. He said, "Do do, do you see that I'm curious to know who Jesus is?" can you tell that i'm interested about who he is boy that pierced my heart if there's any of you out there that are that are wondering about you know who god is and who is god and who is this jesus like i've heard about him a little bit but i don't know anything about him listen i i, I witnessed him and i talked to him a little bit about it kind of like what me and jeremy are doing right now just just talking about biblical stuff doesn't even have to be super doctrinal stuff or just like a minute ago we were talking about music you know different music stuff You know, just having this environment and talking about, you know, uh, the Bible in terms. But I want to start by saying this. You can go to church all you want and you can continue to go to church and all this stuff. But church isn't going to save you. Church isn't going to save you. Not even reading the Bible will save you. Okay. What saves you from hell is building a relationship with God and calling upon Jesus Realizing he's resurrected, he died for your sins and resurrected from from death, and that he paid the price for your sins. And you realize this, and you understand that you've sinned against God, and you want to build a relationship with him. You want to communicate with him, you want to talk to him. It all starts with the prayer. That's where it all starts. I mean, I, I can name pastor after pastor after pastor. I can name, you know, missionaries and pastors and, you know, church members that are good men, but their prayer life is terrible. They don't have a relationship with God. And it starts with building a relationship with God. Let's say right now you're nervous about coming into church. Let's say you're like, well, I don't want to go to church. I don't know anyone. I don't I don't feel it. I just, I just don't want to go. Listen. Pray about it. Each and every day, just say a quick prayer. Communicate. Whether you're driving to school or you're going to work or maybe you're at work and life is terrible. Maybe you're sitting at home or whatever the case might be. Whatever you're doing right now. You know you can even right now you can just say a quick prayer and say a prayer and just start communicating with Christ you know just to saying God you know I'm I'm struggling you know maybe I'm go- maybe you're going through a divorce maybe you're going through some financial problems maybe school is becoming a struggle maybe you're looking for your husband or your wife or or whatever the case might be maybe m- maybe you lost a loved one maybe you've gotten away from church. You haven't gotten, and you haven't really made your way back. But I encourage you now to start start that open communication with the Lord. And I promise you this: that struggle that you have with going back to church and re- reconnecting with the Lord. Let me tell you this: once you start praying each and every day, once you start communicating with the Lord, Lord's going to lay it on your heart. He's going to lay it on your heart, and all of a sudden you're going to start feeling these these convictions these Urges where you're like, hey, I, I do need to go to church. You know, I do need to, to start, you know, going to church and get my life right and just start being in church and surrounding myself by good Christian people. And, but, it, but listen, it starts with a prayer. It's not so much works or going to church or even picking up the Bible and reading it. It starts with a prayer. All the other stuff will come later. And I encourage everyone to go to church. I encourage everyone to pick up your Bible and, and and read it. But like Brother Jeremy said earlier, there are some scholars out there that know the Bible way better than you and I could ever know. More, most certainly more than me and Jeremy knows. And they don't believe in God. They could quote probably entire books in the Bible. And we can't, But, but it's not about that necessarily. You can read the Bible cover to cover and still be lost and still be confused. It all starts with prayer. Start that open communication. Start building that relationship with the Lord. See, the Lord, if you're not searching for the Lord, you won't find him. But if you're searching for the Lord, he'll find you. And that's how it works. We talked about earlier, we talked about free will. We talked about, you know, how God, why doesn't God get rid of all these evilness, all this sin in earth? Well, it's because God has patience. God gives everyone a chance. We look at men that are, that are the atheists and, you know, that are, that are they're doing so much harm in the world. But see, we may not have that compassion and mercy. We feel like there needs to be justice. We feel like they need to be eliminated from earth. But see, God, God can get past those emotions. And he can look at those men and he can say, Hey, as long as they're drawing breath, they're given an opportunity to repent. They're given an opportunity to pray and, and, and build a relationship with me. But God's not going to force yourself upon you. But if you if you are searching for the Lord, if you're ready to build that relationship with Him, He's ready. Just like the fa- just like the prodigal son and his father, that father once he saw his boy, he saw him a great way off, and he ran to him. That's how God's going to do to us. Jeremy, is there anything you'd like to add before we close this podcast?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, you know, if, um. If anyone's lost, who's listening to this, like Landon said, it doesn't matter if you go to church. Doesn't matter if you read your Bible, and and you have if you have to come to a moment where you realize you're a sinner, that you accept that you're a sinner, and repent and believe the gospel, and that's what what that's what is expressed through the prayer that you are turning from your sins in a general sense, you are turning to Christ in faith. And that's what will give you the spiritual ability to read the Bible, understand the Bible, to have the Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth. And I guess since Landon is, is, is you know, encouraging people, I'll be the heavy. Um, if you're a Christian and you don't go to church, you need to repent because you're in sin. And I like what, what Landon was saying about God doesn't force his way on us. And I agree with that. I do also, you know, if you have, if you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not lost, you know. Accept the line given to you, because Bible says there's none who seek God, there's none righteous, no, not one. They've all gone aside, they've all gone astray. Romans one says that every, every one of us, when the age of accountability hits, we look at the created world, we look at nature, we look at creation, and we reject God for our vain imaginations, sure. and so every one of us is condemned damned already because we have not yet believed on the Son of God. And if you're a Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, United Pentecostal, or just an unbeliever, you need to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus as your Savior. And repentance is just, you know, based on the Greek word metanoia or metimeneo, it means to change your mind, to, to change your way of thinking from one direction to another. So you need to have a change of mind about who Jesus is, who you are, where you're going without him, have a change of mind about your sin all of that and place your faith in Jesus you know acts 20 oh goodness 2016 I think says you know that Paul goes house to house preaching and instructing the Gentiles and Jews repentance towards God and faith in Jesus and so my little gospel spill <laughs> that um Jeremy, it's been fun man yeah.
0: thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, well, technically, I came here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you helped me do some, some uh, out, we brought, outreach we're, door knocking. Yeah, so we we're, knocked actually over in,
0: we're actually in Jeremy's uh, pastor, study. pastor study, and uh, it's been great. It's a beautiful study, man. I mean, look at this. I'm enjoying it. I mean, a you. I mean, lot of books, a lot of uh, diplomas you got <laughs> going on there. Yeah. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. I know it's been a while. I know it's been some time since um, we've had a podcast, but thank you for sticking with us and if there's some new new bees out there that's never heard of this podcast or just listening for the first time hey there's a couple of episodes down below you can check them out you know follow me i'm on spotify instagram can
1: I make one comment i forgot oh, yeah, to make? Go ahead, go ahead. we mentioned just in case anyone's meeting a jehovah's witness in your workplace and they pull the what's god's name just look them straight in the eye and tell them there is no j syllable in the hebrew <laughs> and so Yes, just God answered Jehovah. Yes, but we obviously know the Bible's gone through many languages, and He was not called Jehovah in that in the Hebrew tongue because there's no J sound or English syllables, and so, It'd be Jehovah. Yeah, but when you're in a <laughs> cult, you're not taught critical thinking, so be patient with them and love them like Christ, but be bold with the truth. That's so, right.
0: Jeremy, again, thank you so much for coming on. I hope we can do this a lot more often. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm definitely willing. I mean,
0: this is your second time on. I'm really hoping we can continue to do this more often. It's going to be
1: an editing mess. We had a lot of takes. Oh, I mean,
0: (laughs) it'll be all right. Uh, Most of it, it went pretty well. Oh, yeah. But uh, but anyways, and Trent's already gone. He had to go. But I want to thank Trent for being on the podcast. It was awesome having him. He's my little brother. He does a lot of work. He's a music minister. Or uh, worship leader, he's he's done a lot for his local church. Jeremy's the pastor of Marshall, Texas, uh, missionary. Not, Baptist yeah, church. Marshall
1: Missionary Baptist Church in Marshall, Texas. We're on Facebook, and uh, if you're in the area, I need a worship center to go worship. We're here. And um, Trent goes to first. He serves at first at First Baptist Church uh, in Arp, Texas. Right. And so,
0: alrighty. Well, thank you, everyone. Y'all have a great day or evening, whatever time you're listening. See you later.